0: is good we are in six days of faith we're going to start this morning why put it off right let's start this morning and just get in the flow of what god has and this is a specific time that the lord put in our heart to give special attention whenever god gets ready to move people into something or move us forward he's going to use his word to help us make that move. And so as we come to these sessions and these times, we come with an expectation that I'm going to receive from the Lord. I'm going to hear something that's going to uh, prepare me for steps that I'm going to be taking in days to come, for situations I will encounter in days to come. These are times that God has placed on His calendar, so I want to bring my expectation of what he has to say about my faith and my working of faith in, in my life. And so uh, these six days of faith, again, we are, it's going to actually be seven sessions because we have our Sunday morning and Sunday night, and then we'll go uh, through the week. Uh, tomorrow... Prayer will start at 6.30, so if you desire to pray, come at 6.30 and we'll pray until the service begins for the uh, six days of faith. And so uh, we're going to come in and get right into the Word, Uh, not necessarily have a lot of uh, preliminaries or worship for those meetings. These are meetings for us to really bring our attention and our expectation of how God wants us to grow and to expand in this area. And in my preparation for this, I was actually a little bit um, shocked at the direction that God took me, but he indicated to me to uh, bring attention to how faith and the mind need to be calibrated. The word that it keeps coming to me is calibration. Calibration. And if you know anything, engineering, mechanics, things have to work together, have that calibration, that, that right connection so that everything is functioning together. And the mind can really be a hindrance to people's faith unless it is renewed and under continual renewing. Amen? Amen. So that's the direction that we're going to begin with these six days of faith. And then I'm going to be teaching, some pastor's going to be teaching. We're going to be uh, moving together in the, the flow of the Spirit for these. Uh, so we're going to talk today about how the mind can be a, a valve of faith. And you know, if you have, for instance, a faucet, you go and you turn that faucet on to get the water to begin to flow. And the mind can be a valve to the faith that's in your heart. It can, it can shut it off or it can shut it on. And so we're going to look at that, how that spiritual flows and, and our spiritual walk can be hindered by the unrenewed mind. Think about how your mind works in your faith walk. Even just in the natural mind, in the natural life, your mind calculates information to make decisions. So if you need to make a decision about a direction that you're going to take, about a a job that you're going to do, a company that you're going to start, that decision, you first begin collecting information. Well, in the unrenewed mind, there's not a lot of light information to bring any spiritual direction to that decision. But in the mind that is renewed to the Word of God, we have light to help us make decisions that are going to be in line with God's plan and in line with God's will for our life. Another thing that our mind does is our mind formulates how we are going to respond in a given situation. Your mind is is. The, the, where you decide if you're going to follow that person into the other room to get the last word in. Your mind determines if you are going to say, oh, no, you did not just say that to me, right? If you're going to give somebody the brick wall, your mind is the, is the, the ultimate, that, that last place of decision of how I'm going to respond in that situation. Well, for the person whose mind is renewed, we're going to respond in line with the word. We're going to respond in line with the way that God can bless. We're going to d- respond in love. We're going to respond in peace. We're going to respond with a, a self-controlled response. The mind, one of the most important things that your mind does is it, it sends the signal of what your mouth is going to say. And so people with an unrenewed mind say a lot of things they wish they'd never said. Oh, man, I didn't mean to say that. They just open their mouth and things come out and... and what? Why, why did I say that? Unrenewed mind. Unrenewed mind. So because the mouth is the most potent weapon that the believer has, the mouth is, the, is where the sword of the Spirit works. Mm-hmm. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And at the same time with the mouth, it says not only can life be in the tongue, in the power of the tongue, but death can be in the power of the tongue. So with the mouth, confession is made unto damnation. Right? And people with the unrenewed mind are allowing things in their mouth that the person with the renewed mind knows better than to put there. Amen. Amen? So because these areas are affecting our faith, We need to recognize that God wants the mind to be renewed. How many of you can guess where we're going to go? Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to think I know about the mind because I don't know everything that the Holy Spirit can teach me. Right? That's why we're here because we we believe that the Holy Spirit's going to bring something to light that will help us make adjustments and calibrations to bring our faith online at at a greater level, at a greater effectiveness. So Romans chapter 12 says in verse 1, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Who does that? We do. we do. We present our bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, that's how we're supposed to be presenting them. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. These two phrases, be not conformed, but be ye transformed, the way that they're positioned in this sentence gives us the understanding that without the renewing of the mind, without this renewing, a person would be conformed to the world's way of thinking by default. Without even trying. It's not that a person just says, I want to think like the world today. I want to have world perception. I want to have carnal perception. No, by default, unless we renew the mind... Just without trying, a person would become conformed to the world's way of thinking because of how the mind works. Because of how how God created us, He created us to live by the Word. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. We're supposed to live by the Word. The just shall live by faith, which is really saying... We're going to, faith comes by hearing the word, so the just shall live by hearing the word. That's what causes, we know faith is coming to the heart, but it also is causing a renewing of the mind at the same time. Without that renewing of the mind, a person can have faith in their heart, but continually hit that hindrance of the carnal mind and have difficulty walking in the perfect will of God because the carnal mind keeps derailing them not you them right right so he says be transformed and when you are transformed by the renewing of your mind by default you will not be conformed to the world when the transforming of the mind takes place you won't walk like the world you won't think like the world you won't talk like the world you won't have the same opinion that the world has because you have a new way of thinking you have renewed the thinking you have renewed the mind with God's thoughts renewing of the mind cannot take place outside of the word because the word is the the change agent to my thoughts the Word is what is bringing light to my thinking, what is giving me the correct structure by which I perceive. So the more that I renew my mind to the Word of God, the more I'm going to see things the same way God sees it. it it'll, it's easy to have a conversation with God when we see things the way He sees it. It's difficult for God to give instruction and for God to lead and for God to, to uh, uh, converse with a person who does not see eye to eye with Him. And, and, and always saying, but, but God, uh, that's not what's going on in my life. God says, well, that's what I see is going on in your life. Right. Amen. So for us to have the, the effective walk with him it's not just having faith in the heart but it's also i'm not we need the faith in the heart and you know that is usually the emphasis i go to but god is telling us that we need to make sure that our minds are in agreement with his way of thinking he has a higher way of thinking Hallelujah. hallelujah when we look at this transformation It is important and this may be familiar to some of you but for those of you who have never heard it before it will help you see what God envisions when he talks about transforming the mind. In the Greek language it is the word metamorpho. The same word that we use to describe what happens to a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. It goes through a process called metamorphosis. And when you look at that butterfly, you can't see a caterpillar. You can't recognize that was once a caterpillar. You look at it and say, no way. How could that be a caterpillar? But the metamorphosis was such a complete change in that person's life. That metamorphosis, it's the same creature It's the same creature, but you can't recognize it. It's the same, but it's different. It has taken on such a metamorphosis, such a transformation. That's why God didn't just use the word change. He wants you to see metamorphosis. I think the reason we have butterflies is so that we can know what happens by the renewing of our mind. I think that's why, because how else could God get across to us the extreme transformation extreme that takes place without us knowing from biology class in elementary school what happens to the caterpillar, yeah. what that cocoon is for. Yeah. We see that butterfly come out and we are, uh, we are in awe. Yeah. We are amazed. Look at that butterfly. Yeah. And God says, that's the renewing of the mind. Yeah. That's the renewing of the mind. That is what I want to take place in every one of my children so that they come out of that cocoon walking like me and talking like me and sounding like me and living like me, seeing eye to eye with everything I have planned for their life, walking in my, my will without any difficulty. Why? Because it says when I have this transformation I will be able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Without the transformation, I won't recognize it. The will of God will pass me by and I wouldn't recognize it without the renewing of the mind. But when the mind becomes renewed to thinking God's thoughts and, and, and the light of God's Word shining in our understanding. When, when the eyes of our understanding are flooded with light, mm-hmm. hallelujah, Amen. that's the renewing of the mind. When the eyes of our unspiritual understanding is flooded with light, then we will know what is the hope of His calling. And then we will know what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. And then we will know what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe. But without that light shining in my understanding without that renewing of the mind, I won't be able to see it. There are spiritual realities that must be seen through the renewed mind, that must be seen through a mind that has cleansed out the old way of thinking. You know, when I first got saved, uh, I, I, one of the greatest moments in my life was when I found out that not every thought that came into my head was my thought. That helped me because I had to go. I had to go. I'd, I'd not been saved very long, and I was working to get custody of my children back, and I had to drive somewhere that took me by a place that had been associated with drug use in my life before Christ. And again, I hadn't been saved very long. And just seeing some of the same road signs and seeing some of the same you know, markers of, of that part of town brought back memories to me that started making me think thoughts that I used to think because they were trigger thoughts. They were thoughts that triggered me into thinking about something that was destructive, addiction, drugs. And so I started repenting and saying, God, I, I thought I was saved. You know, I was a baby Christian. And I was saying, Lord, I thought I was saved. Why am I thinking that thought? Why is that thought in my mind and when when i heard teaching that said that matthew chapter six specifically when he said take no thought by saying that you have the authority to refuse thoughts i'm like wait a minute not every thought in my head came from me before that time i thought i was responsible for every thought i was the origin for every thought but then i found out no this is how the enemy works The enemy uses thoughts against a person to try to blind their mind, right? It says that we are, the weapons of our warfare, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, the weapons of our warfare work to cast down thoughts. So not every thought is supposed to have its operation in my life. But I've got to recognize, wait a minute, I don't have to think that thought. And I have to take that thought captive and I have to resist the thought. Glory to God. Another thing that happened that helped me understand this process of mind renewing was when we first moved to Kansas. Uh, Pastor and I, we'd been married a number of years and God directed us to move uh, to the Kansas City area and we did. And one of the first jobs that I acquired there was working at a... uh, A real estate company. They were a management company for a certain, they had probably about 75 to 100 properties that they managed for some of them they owned and some of them other people owned and they hired them to manage their properties. And my, I took a job. I I was just going to start by cleaning the houses, the properties that they had, but they taught me a few little things about, you know, how to replace certain. like light, light fixtures and, and things, you know, little maintenance, light maintenance kind of things. So whenever someone would move out of this property, I was the first person that, that that would go into that property and I would have to clean out anything that was left by the previous tenants and then after I cleaned out all of their junk, I would paint it. And uh, do any light maintenance to get it ready for the next tenant, so that it could be leased again and you could say that this management company was a slum lord because it was it was rough some of the places, not necessarily the parts of town, but the the fact that people would just junk and leave junk i mean every time i 've moved out of a house, I wanted my deposit back y 'all. Right. I wanted my deposit out enough that I would get my stuff out of the way, right? You know? But I, I would go in to clean these people's houses, and there was molded food in the refrigerator. There was uh, uh, clothes, broken furniture. Usually, it required an entire day of trash out. That's what I called it trash out. I would bring a whole box of, of lawn size uh, trash bags and just spend the whole day going through each part of this house and getting the trash that the people had left behind. When in doing this, before I could clean anything, it, there, you can't clean over trash. You can't paint over trash. It, you cannot paint that wall when there's all that kind of trash because it's going to get dirt in the paint. So you've got to clean it before you paint it and you've got to clean it before you fix it and then you're going to clean it again. But that, that getting all of that trash out, the Lord used that to show me what happens when a person comes to him with all that stinking thinking, all those wrong ideas, all those wrong perceptions that it takes the process first for God to come through and flush out all of that wrong thinking yeah. before He can begin to establish you in who you are in Christ, yeah, before He can, can, can help you to understand the structure of your righteousness. Yeah. He's got to help you get that, that wrong thought processes out because you'll be trying to walk around in righteousness tripping over the junk from your life before Christ the things that need to be thrown away. So there's a lot of thoughts that need to be thrown away. Amen. It doesn't matter. Even if you've been saved for a number of years, that doesn't mean you haven't acquired some thoughts along the way that need to be trashed out. Amen. You've got to recognize and even allow the Holy Spirit to point out to you, Amen. invite Him to point out to you things that are wrong thinking. Things that need to be renewed because we can't just coast. I appreciate, I appreciate Brother Hagan telling me how often I needed to renew my mind. You know, he told us how often we needed to renew our mind. He said, your mind needs to be renewed as much as your hair needs to be combed. <laughs> Every day you get up, you need to fix your hair, Right? Every day we need to renew our mind because we are encountering thoughts that are contrary to righteousness, thoughts that are contrary to holiness, thoughts that viewpoints, perceptions, ideas that are flooding. You know, it's called television because it's telling a vision and it may not be a godly vision. Amen? And so we've got to guard our mind... And, and maintain the, uh, the renewing of the mind continually. Hallelujah. Let's look at Romans because we are talking about how the mind works with our faith. And I want to give you some examples today. Romans chapter 4 is talking about Abraham and his faith. And this is specifically giving us what worked. We, we're going to go back and we're going to look at Abraham when his faith wasn't working because God was gracious enough to give us that too. Yes, thank you, Lord. Amen. Because if I just had Romans chapter 4, I might find myself in condemnation sometimes, but I have Genesis 15 to help me, to help me see that, okay, there's got to be a shift And the shift is going to come when I get my viewpoint in line with God's viewpoint. So Romans 4, let's start here and let's read in verse 18 and 19. It says, who against hope, talking about Abraham, Abraham against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. Against hope, believed in hope. We know that that word hope in the concordance it gives the definition of both a natural hope, it could mean a natural hope, it could mean... And so by looking at the scripture, we understand that Abraham had to to override what hope his body gave him. He had to override what hope Sarah's body could offer. He had to override hope of their youth. Right, Because he was past the age of bearing children and Sarah had never, even in her younger years, been able to bear children. So there was no no hope offered, only a dread of it's not working offered by what their body, what their circumstance, what their situation was telling them. So he had to override it. And how did he do that? He got hope from somewhere else. Hope is a confident, earnest expectation. So where did he get it? He had to get an expectation from something besides his body because his body wasn't giving him any expectation. Sarah's womb was not giving him any expectation of the promise of God. Against hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So now we know where he got this hope. We're about to find out the origin of the hope that Abraham used to overcome the natural hope. According to that was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he considered not... He considered not. In other other words, he had to come to the place that that's not part of my equation. And here I am back at math, Marie. How does that math keep getting in my sermon? He had to come to the place where he is not using the details of the natural lack of ability of his body or Sarah's body in his equation of faith. He is saying... I I'm not considering that. Well, yeah, but the doctor said. I know what the doctor said and I'm not negating it, but that doesn't violate my miracle. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't dis, dis uh, disconnect me from the supernatural power of God in this situation. Amen? Amen. So, if you really investigate this word considered not, it's not saying he didn't think about it. One translation says he was aware of it, he was in full knowledge of it. He was aware of it, but it just wasn't what he was computing to come up with his result. <laughs> yes, Lord. You know, if you look at the table and you say there are three apples and two oranges and, 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 and one pear, three apples, two oranges, one pear, and we say, uh, how, how much citrus fruit? is there. Well, citrus is the orange, right? So I don't need to calculate the apples and the pear mm-hmm. because that's not my question. My question is not how much fruit, it's how much citrus is on the table. Yeah. So if, if I'm just wanting to find that out, then I'm not going to say, well, there's, there's the three apples and a pear. I'm going to say, no, there's the two oranges. Provides all the information that I need. Why would I add in my feelings? Symptoms don't have anything to do with my results. Peter looked at the wind and the waves, and the wind and the waves had nothing to do. They were, it was blowing like that when he got out of the boat. It didn't just start when Peter got out of the boat. Peter stepped out on the boat and it was nice and, 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 and glassy and flat and he stepped out on the boat and you could see. No, when Peter stepped out of the boat, the wind was already raging. Yes, Lord. The waves were already coming against the boat and filling up the boat. The way it was already there. So why did he start looking at it? Why did it suddenly become a part of how his end was going to be? Why did he add in the symptoms of that situation when they had absolutely nothing to do with his ability to walk on the water? He's walking on the water. Until he started looking at the wind and how it was affecting his situation. And so it says Abraham did not consider his body as something that could stop the promise of God. I mean, he had to get to that place. He wasn't always at that place. Can we go ahead and and turn back to Genesis fifteen and let's let's see when Abraham was at a place that many of us have been? The very first time I say the first time the Charles Caps ministered at at our church in Kansas a number of years ago, and I remember specifically the title of his sermon, he said, How God Taught Abraham Faith. How God Taught Abram Faith. God had to teach him faith. And God's teaching us faith. Yes. So let's see how God taught Abram faith. Genesis chapter 15, we see this conversation. This is before he came to the place that he was at in Romans 4. That God decided, God, God left out this part in Romans because he just went right to the, okay, Abraham's got it now. But now for our benefit, we get to look back at Genesis 15, verse 2. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless. That's what he was seeing. That's what he considered. I go childless. Seeing I go, what will you give me? Because here's God talking to him. You know, God shows up and says, I am your exceeding great reward. Fear not. I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. And Abram automatically starts talking in a way that God says, what? What do you mean you go childless? What? Who did... Childless? Childless? That's not what I see. I don't see you childless. God, I'm childless, and Eliezer is going to be the one who gets everything of my inheritance. God said, really? (gasps) I had no idea. (laughs) What? Gabriel, why didn't you keep me informed about what's been going on here? No. God said, what? Where are you getting that information? Can you can you just imagine what God's wanting to say? Where where did you come up with that? How how do you see that? How do you see yourself childless? How come you think Eliezer is going to be the one? I mean, is this conversation going well? Is God very just just compassionate and saying, "Oh, Abraham, honey, Abram, now son, honey, come here." And no, he's saying what? childless eliezer that's not what i said and then abram says behold to me you have given no seed what i mean did god change to see abraham's situation to fit with what abraham is seeing did god say okay okay you know what i'm going to come sit where you're sitting and i'm going to see it from your perspective he didn't do that did he that would not have helped Abram. But, but we find out what Abraham's perception was, what he saw, what his mindset was, what was in his mind. His mind had not been renewed to, to Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3. God spoke something in Genesis chapter 12, and Abraham didn't see it in his life. Now this helps me because I've had these kind of conversations with God. God, you said I'd be blessed going in and blessed coming out, but I need to pay this bill and I'm behind in it. Anybody else ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand, but just let me be truthful for all of us. We've all been in situations where we looked at our life and we said, Lord, this is not what your word says. But it wasn't God who had to change. It's us who has to start getting in agreement with God. It's us who has to say, Wait a minute, you said I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So why would I say anything different? If God says that you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, do you have to talk Him into it? Do you have to say, Bless me, Lord? Oh, Lord, bless me. Bless me, Lord. Bless me. And you hear, the, you hear the consternation. You hear the frustration. And the more that you say it, Bless me, Lord, I really need it. Lord, I need it. And you begin to talk about the need. And you begin to tell him about the need. And you begin to tell him about the pressure. And you begin to tell him, Is faith coming? No. What's, what's growing in your, in your estimation? The power of the need. The heaviness of the need. The, 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 the need of the blessing. But God said, I've blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So where does faith get in line with that? Father, you said you've blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I agree with that. Yes, and I thank you, Lord, that I'm blessed. Just start right there with thank you, Lord, that I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You remember, if I went to my husband and I said to my husband, please marry me, marry me, please. I want to be your wife. Please marry me. Would you please? I really need to be your wife. Marry me, please. Marry me. Marry me. There's not one thing he can do to make me more his wife than he's already made me. Even if we renewed our vows, it wouldn't make me more married to him. He's already married to me. So do you see? If I go to God and I ask Him to do something He's already done, I'm at a disadvantage. If I'm begging Him to do something He said is done, is that what Abraham is doing? Abraham is saying, I go childless, and God said, what? What? I said, I would make you the father of many nations. So how can you say I go childless? So in chapter 15 verse 2 and verse 3 Abraham revealed what his perception was. His perception was not in line with God's perception and that's what was holding him up. And so what happened? What happened? Let's look at verse 5. Well, verse 4. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that comes forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars. Tell the stars. While that definition in the original language does include counting... It also includes verbally counting them out loud. Tell them, listen to me, stars. Listen, stars, this is how many my seed will be. So he took him out and he, he gave him his corrective word. This shall not be your heir, but your air will come from within you. And then he gave him something to renew his mind. He gave him something to look at. He said, look now and tell the stars if you be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall your seed be. So shall your seed be. Well, that's what Scripture in Romans chapter 4 said that that's what changed him from the natural hope to believing in hope according to as it is spoken, so shall thy seed be. He looked at something that imprinted upon his imagination. What you're looking at is getting in you. Not just in your your mind, but it it has to be in your mind for you to be able to, to walk in it. It has to be in your mind. It has to get that imprint in your imagination. And that's why we do more than just read it. We meditate it. We meditate the word of God day and night. We, we, we mutter the word. We've got the word in our eyes. It says, do not let them depart from in front of your eyes. You know, when uh, Jacob was working for Laban, Laban was always trying to cheat him out of, of any increase. And finally came to a, a, an agreement. And he said, whatever... Of the cattle and the sheep, which are born with spots and streaks and, and, and strikes. You know, they were spotted. They've got different patterns on them. Whatever ones of those are going to be for Jacob. And they made this agreement. And evidently there weren't very many of them that had any markings or any patterns or any colorings on their fur until the blessing started working through Jacob. But you want to know what God told, what, what, it, what insight? I don't even know if God told him to do it as much as it was something that he was impressed to do. It says that Jacob took the poplar branches and he wove them all together in like a, a, a pattern. And whenever the sheep or the cattle were drinking water, he would put it in front of them. So they're looking at that pattern. Every time they would come and get in to get the water uh, out of the water trough, they are looking at that pattern before their eyes of those poplar branches, which are spotted and streaked, right? When they were mating, he took those same branches and put in front of them. And do you know what the cattle started producing? What they were seeing? The cattle started producing what they saw, and they were giving birth to spotted cattle and spotted sheep and streaked cattle and streaked sheep until the sons of Laban were scratching their heads saying, how did you get all of our dad's money, our cattle, how did you do that? He put in front of them what he wanted them to produce. God said, put in front of you what what I want you to produce. If you'll renew your mind, if you'll see, if you'll, you'll start producing what you're seeing. But if you can't see yourself well, Amen. if you can't see yourself out of debt, Amen. you've got to see it. Amen. He couldn't see himself with children. He said, seeing I go childless. And God said, we got to change that. We got to change what you're seeing. What you're seeing is the problem. Yeah. So, it, he had to for him to get his faith online, for him to calibrate his faith so that his faith would work, God had to renew his mind. He had to to get him seeing in line with what God said so that his faith could be released in what God said. Yeah. So, do you see how our faith can work like a valve that will turn Our mind can work like a faith valve that will turn the faith on or turn it off. So when a person changes their mind and they don't see it in line with God, then it it stops the flow of faith in their life. But the moment when he began to see it from God's perspective, it says he believed in the Lord and it was counted to him for righteousness. So the believing followed the mind renewing in this area. Hallelujah. The Bible refers to the gospel as light. When it says that the God of this world, speaking of Satan, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe to hide from them, the light of the gospel, the light. The word of God brings light. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. We need the Word to be able to see so that we can walk with God in step with Him, in line with Him, in His plan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He goes a step further in Genesis chapter 17 and and we'll try to unplug here and plug back in here tonight. Genesis chapter 17, he goes a step further in changing his name. Verse 5. It says, uh, neither shall your name any more be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made you. So God saw it as already done. God said, I have made you. I have. And God's, God calls things that be not as though they were. That's how He calls it we have to call things that be not as though they were too. But if we are determined to call it the way we see it, if we're not seeing it done, we'll be calling it wrong. We have to see it done to call it done. We have to see it complete to call it complete. That's why I know God has already given us our own place he has given us the land I'm not asking God to give it to me he's already told me that it's mine I've received it I've received it I don't have to see it to believe it that wouldn't be faith why would I need to believe it once I see it that's not faith I believe it when he says it that's when believing begins that's when believing really has its greatest effectiveness before I can see it, I don't need to see it. And I've got to train myself not to walk by sight, but to walk by faith. And faith requires a renewed mind because the renewing of the mind puts me in agreement with what God said and in disagreement with, what my, with, with a requirement to, to allow the situation to put details in my equation. I do not need to add that in. God said he has given us the land. God said he has made Abram the father of many nations. I have made you. And do you notice that he first gave him something to renew his mind before he got him to say it out of his mouth? Before it was effective, hear, hear me as your pastor. The promise was given to Abraham when he was 75. He was almost 99 before the manifestation came and he wasn't waiting on God 24 years. People have been taught that. You gotta hold on. You're waiting on God. You're waiting on God. If God gonna make you wait 24 years, I don't believe that he was waiting on God. I believe God was waiting on him. It was, it, 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 he was the one who was not in agreement. Abram. The moment he got into agreement and began to not only see it God's way but say it God's way, it was just a matter of time for the baby to be born. There was conception almost immediately and nine months later they've got child. So it wasn't God that Abram and Sarah were waiting on. It took God 24 years to get Abram to agree with him and to begin to see it and say it the way God said it. Listen, You and I, we can learn from that. We can learn from that. We don't have to say, oh, it took God 24 years to teach. No, 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 God, you need me to renew my mind? Okay, then I'm going to put it, when I open up my cabinet, it's going to be glued right there. It's going to be taped right there on my my, uh, cabinet door. It's going to be on my refrigerator. It's going to be on my mirror. I'm going to put it in my eyes. I'm going to put it everywhere I can see it. Hallelujah. Because I need to see it. I've got to have this flushing out, this cleansing of seeing the wrong thing and I've got to have this incorporation of seeing the right thing. I've got to purposefully put it in front of my face. Purposefully, I mean on purpose. Put it in a place that it's going to make me look at it like those those sheep and cattle were looking at while they were drinking, while they were mating. They were looking at it. God wants you to go about your daily life seeing His promise in your face. See it fulfilled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then you'll start calling it. But if you don't see it, it's going to be hard for you to put it in your mouth. Now you can put it in your mouth to help you change the way you see it. I've learned that just from my own experience because with the tongue you can write on the table of your heart. But if the mind stays unrenewed, it will uh, the the poverty thinking. The poverty mentality is an example of something that it's not just a a bad thought. It's not just a wrong thought. It's a mindset. And think about, for instance, my pastor is one of the greatest examples to me because the Lord told Pastor Caldwell, quit ordering your food off the right-hand side of the menu where the prices are. He was serving God, pastoring a church, But there were things God was still renewing his mind about. He said, quit ordering your food by price. You don't even like chicken. Why do you keep ordering the chicken? You would prefer to order that fish, but it costs more. So you keep ordering the chicken because it costs less. Quit ordering it based on the price. And then he told him to go pay full price for a suit. And he argued with God. God, I could get two double knits for the price of that Hurt, Schaffner, and Marks. Is that, am I, did I say that name right? Hart Schaffner, and Marks. Is that right? I could get two double knits. You know, the kind that you pull and the whole leg comes undone, right? You know? He was arguing with God. Why do I have to pay full price for a suit? pastor told me, he said, I even quit coupons. I don't use the coupons because it, it was something that, he, that God put in his discipline to help him override that thinking that I'm not going to buy it if it's not on sale or I'm not going to buy it if I can't get a coupon for it. Yeah. Do you see the mindset? Yeah. It was the mindset. And he said, God, why do you... W-? He was, he was why, why, why do you want me to pay full price? He said, because if you can't pay full price for a suit you can't build this church debt-free. And if you can't build this church debt-free, you're not going to be able to do what I need you to do with the television network debt-free. And, and if you can't do see the will of God, do you see that renewing of the mind with the will? Amen. God was trying to lift His way of thinking so that He could accomplish the will of God. Amen. If He would have refused to pay full price for the suit... we may not know each other today. If Pastor Caldwell had not been faithful to God to renew his mind, to be able to accomplish what God had called him to accomplish, many of us wouldn't be where we are with God. But because of his obedience, we've learned. Because of his obedience, he helped us come out. He helped us walk in the will of God Amen. because he renewed his mind. He helped us see it. Amen. So how many people are going to be helped by you renewing your mind, Amen. by you seeing things and fulfilling the will of God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Father, thank you, thank you Lord. for loving us enough to correct us. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Lord, it's because you love us so much that you bring to us areas we need to grow and we need to adjust and we need to apply self-discipline so that our mind is in a place of submission to the spirit of God who lives on the inside of us. We thank you for that, Lord. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Thank you, Lord. Say this with me. Father, I desire to come up in my thinking, to see it the way you see it, to believe in line with your word where my mind is concerned. Help me, Lord. Correct me on wrong thought patterns. Mindsets that are holding me back. I will adjust what you tell me to adjust. In Jesus' name.